Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. All right, so great to be with you guys today. Uh, Very excited to kick off this new series as we start getting ready for Easter weekend. Um, Obviously, love what Adam always does with our Easter weekend. Good Friday is always going to be an impactful moment. So if you have not been planning on being here for Good Friday, this is his jam. This is what he knows how to do. He is like Mr. Good Friday. So make sure you come and experience what he's preparing for uh, Friday night. And also, if you haven't already started making your invitations for Easter Sunday, make sure that you are looking at who is in your life, what people has God put around you, um, who can really use a a message of hope, a message of of love, of peace, of joy, who can use a transformation in their life. I don't know anyone who can't, so that's kind of a rhetorical statement, but at the end of the day, let's make sure that we're being intentional with uh, asking and investing into the people that are in our life to come on and join us on an Easter weekend if they don't already have a local church. We want everybody to experience a relationship with God. We want everybody to have that love, that joy, that peace, that excitement that we all get to experience when we dive into a relationship with God. Sound good? All right. Well, we're going to get started with this series called Worth Repeating. Uh, worth, uh, worth Repeating. And we're, we're diving into statements that Jesus has said that ultimately were impactful, powerful statements that we want to hold on to, that we want to hold on to. We want to make sure that we, uh, we digest it and put it into our heads and our hearts to make sure that we are being active with practicing it. Um, because if they were powerful statements, obviously those statements were intended to make your life uh, to make your life a greater life, closer life to God, closer life to others. And so we're going to dive into these uh, into these statements. And the first one we're going to dive into is a statement about forgiveness. And so before I, before I get into it, uh, before I get into what it is that Jesus said, I want to take some time and, and, and dive into what Jesus did not say. And the reason why I want to do that is because sometimes when you look at what Jesus did not say, it helps to really grasp what he did say. So as I get into these statements of what Jesus did not say on the topic of forgiveness, first thing I want to do is ask how many of you by a show of hands and leave your hands up, how many of you by a show of hands have, um, have a Facebook account? Raise your hand if you have a Facebook account. Awesome. Okay. Go ahead and put it back down. Now, I'm going to ask one more question, and I really need you to leave your hands up for sure. Don't get tired. Hang in there with me. Hit the weight room if you are getting tired. All right. How many of you have a Facebook friend, we all know what that means, could be a close friend, could be a distance friend, could be a friend that you've probably met one time at a, at a, at a dinner somewhere, it could be someone from high school. How many of you have a Facebook friend that you would consider an annoying poster? Like, oh my gosh, this person is an annoying poster. You've, you've, you've actually thought about unfriending them many times, but then you're like, what if they have that app that tells them that I've unfriended them, and then do I have to get into this conversation? Leave your hands up, leave your hands up. Okay. Are we all, many of us have that friend. Many of us have that friend that's that annoying poster, drives us crazy. Okay, for those of you who don't have your hand up, just take a look around for a second. If you don't have your hand up, <laughs> you know, I'll let you figure that part out. I'll let you figure that part out. So anyways, we all have, we all have that annoying friend that somehow just lo- drives us crazy, put some posts on there that are just either political or that are either constantly, um, 
negative or that are constantly, you know, hurting people or whatever it is. And it's like, oh my goodness, we need to go down this road again. And so here's, here's some statements that Jesus did not say. Jesus did not say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they post. That was not a statement Jesus made, okay? The other statement that he did not say was, fool me once, I'll forgive you. Fool me twice, I will give you hemorrhoids. That's another statement Jesus did not say. Now, thank God I'm not Jesus because I don't have, it'd be dangerous to have that type of power, but that is a statement he did not have. He did not say, I'll give you hemorrhoids. All right, the next one he did not say. Sorry, you've sinned too much for me to forgive you again. That's another statement Jesus did not say. One more statement Jesus did not say, and it's this one. I can forgive everyone else, but you just really get on my nerves. That's another one that Jesus did not say. So on this topic of forgiveness, um, you know, I, I, it is it is not a, easy to have a light, humorous um, topic and talk about forgiveness because as we dive into forgiveness, we know that by by just by being here and listening on, to this message, you're going to naturally start thinking about people in your life who have hurt you. And even more importantly, you're going to start thinking about people in your life who have hurt loved ones that have that you love with all of your heart. And that's even that's even harder to deal to talk about forgiveness when there's someone in your life, whether it's a close person you know, whether it's someone you had no you have no idea who they are, when they've hurt a loved one of yours, that is even harder than trying to forgive someone who's just personally hurt you. So it, it is a heavy topic. It is something that is, is hard because we've all experienced pain of being hurt. Whether it was a second grade fight you had with your best friend, whether it was a, a high school breakup of your first love, whether it was a first marriage that did not go the way you expected, and then now there was hurt and pain from that marriage, whether it was someone that's caused some harm to someone who's loved you, uh, whether it's a family member that's personally and close to your life, we've all experienced pain from someone directly and even indirectly. And so as we dive into this, I, want, I just want to be clear that I know, I know it's difficult. I know it's hard to overcome betrayal. I know it's hard to overcome the feeling of being used. I know it's hard to overcome the, the, the feeling of, of being lied to, uh, being cheated on, being hurt emotionally, physically. So I want to get into uh, this, this message where Jesus was actually sharing and talking to the disciples. And it was, it was kind of like this, where he, was, uh, he had the disciples around him, and he was actually teaching. So it was more of a sermon type of message. And he was actually teaching them because they were all so uh, wondering about this topic of forgiveness. Because up to this point, before Jesus shared these words with them, they were living under the, the, the motto of, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If you do something wrong, you should have justice and you should have pain in your life for doing something wrong. So that was the mindset that they were living under. It wasn't necessarily God's mindset, but it was the mindset that they, the culture that they had lived under. So this was their understanding of people who have wronged others. And so Jesus gets ready to destroy this mindset. Jesus gets ready to completely change the way they think about people who have caused harm to them. So in Luke chapter 17, verse 1, this is what Jesus says. He says, Jesus says to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. And what he's saying is, is listen, guys, because we live in a broken world, and where people are broken, and people are hurting, and people are damaged, 
they're going to naturally cause damage to others. So those things are going to happen, whether they happen directly or indirectly, because of a, a world that's, that's, that has sin and is broken, we're going to experience people's brokenness. Then he says this, but woe to anyone through whom they come. So watch yourselves. So if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day. Now, this is the part that was just mind-blowing to the disciples. The disciples were like tracking along, like, okay, yes, broken world. Okay, yes, people are hurting. Okay, yes, people who hurt who are hurting are gonna hurt others, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. Like they're tracking, they're tracking. Then all of a sudden Jesus says, Yeah, when someone like really hurts you, hurts you and causes harm to you, uh, not just one time, you know, forgive them, but forgive them if it happens seven times. And then forgive them if it happens seven times in a day. At this point, the disciples are like, What? Seven times in a day, he's got this wrong. Maybe seven times in a lifetime is probably what he meant. It's like, hey, Jesus, did you really mean seven times in a day? So then he goes back and says, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times they come back saying, I uh, I repent, you must forgive them. So this next phrase, this next phrase is where the human nature just realizes this feels impossible. The disciples at this moment were like, I can't even wrap my head around this. How in the world am I supposed to forgive someone over and over and over? And so these words that the disciples say, this is the statement right here that shows that it was against human nature to even think about forgiveness this often. And this is the phrase they said, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The apostle said to God, God, I I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to forgive over and over and over. Like this is against my human thinking, my human life, my my way of living. If someone is causing pain to me or a loved one over and over, there's no way I can forgive them over and over and over. So before I dive any deeper to the rest of the words of what Jesus says about forgiveness, I want to make sure I just dive into the part that's what, what forgiveness is not. This is what forgiveness is not. As you're contemplating and as you're thinking through the, the person or the people in your life that have caused pain and caused hurt into your life, this is what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Just because we choose to forgive doesn't mean we're going to forget about the incident that happened, okay? Forgiveness is not pretending it never happened. God is not asking you to pretend it never happened when he asks you to learn to forgive, okay? Forgiveness is not expressing loyalty to someone who continues to harm you. That is not what forgiveness is. It's not expressing loyalty to someone who continues to harm you. Forgiveness is not reconciliation, Reconciliation actually requires two parties to own their part. And so this is not what forgiveness is because a lot of times we have to forgive someone or we learn to forgive someone who doesn't even know we've forgiven them. So it's definitely not reconciliation. And so here's what forgiveness is also not. Forgiveness is not fair. Here's a statement I want to read to you. It says, our human heart wants fairness, except for when we want God to forgive us. 
except for when we want God to forgive us. But when it's someone else who's caused harm, and it's someone else who's caused pain, we want fairness. We want justice. But when it's us, we want God to understand our motive. We want God to kind of see the big picture. Like, God, listen, I know this is what I just said or did, but there's a reason behind that. Walk with me on this journey on why I did what I did, right? So we, we, where it's easy for us to, to ask God to forgive us, but it's not so easy for us to ask God to forgive others. And so the gospel, I want you to understand this. The gospel is not just receiving forgiveness from God. It's not just receiving. The gospel is also giving forgiveness, giving forgiveness. The gospel doesn't just flow to us. Like we don't just receive God's word. We also let the gospel flow through us, okay? Forgiveness is erasing or canceling the debt that will ultimately corrode your soul. This is actually a benefit to you personally to learn to forgive. And this is why Christ was sharing with his disciples like, Hey, listen, when people harm you, especially if it's over and over and over, the reason to learn to forgive is because you're the one that benefits from it. If you hold on to the bitterness, if you hold on to the hurt, if you hold on to the anger, you are the one that suffers. You are the one that hurts in this moment. You're the one that does not benefit from learning to forgive. Your relationships on earth will have limitations because you're constantly walking around with the wall thinking people are going to always hurt you. So by nature, by the walls that you create in your heart and your life, there's going to be a distance, a distance with the relationships in your, with your spouse, with your kids, or with your friends or your family members. So for not learning to forgive actually is hurtful to ourselves. And the other person that it hurts is your heavenly father. Nothing hurts my heart more than to watching my kids fight. It is the most painful thing to see to watch my boys fight. Now, when it's physical fighting and they're just like arguing about whose turn it is for whatever, and then it ends up in like in a wrestling match, and then they're tapping out, like, okay, like I can't breathe. Like, it's like, okay, I know after a minute or two, it's over. Like, we're, we're moving on. This was a short fight. It's not going to last beyond the two minutes, right? But when they start hurting each other with words and they start saying mean, hurtful things to each other, that is when my insides turn inside out because I know that even after two minutes, those words are going to stay inside of their head and their heart. I remember words from when I was a kid as if it was yesterday, whether I was five, whether I was eight, whether I was 11, whether I was 14. When people said hurtful words to me, that didn't just go away in two minutes. That stayed with me. And so that hurts my heart as a father to see my kids be mean to each other. And so when we don't learn to forgive, it, not, it doesn't just cause hurt and pain to ourselves. It causes pain to our Heavenly Father. And it says that we, we may be living in a prison of offense if we hold on to the, to the hurt or the pain. Even if it was weeks ago, months ago, decades ago, forgiveness is the, is the key that actually sets us free from the prison of offense. And I want to read this statement to you. It says, when we acknowledge that those who hurt us are hurting, we can find the compassion to, to ask God for their healing. When we can step aside and look at someone through the eyes of God, and not just as the eyes of the offender, when we can look at them through the eyes of God, and we can, find, we can see that they are hurting, we can find the compassion to ask God for their healing. There's a scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. It says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When I read this statement, I just think like, you know, the last thing I want to do to someone who's hurt me is pray for them. That's like the last thing that runs through my mind. It doesn't run through my mind naturally. What naturally runs through my mind is revenge. What naturally runs through my mind is creating pain in their life through the pain that they've, that they've, they've created in my life. That's what's natural to me. What's not natural is asking God to forgive them. And then when I finally like work up the courage to pray for them, I, I give them a good prayer. I say, Lord, God, do something to him. Give him hemorrhoids in his ears, Lord. Now, I know that's not physically possible, but God, you are the God of miracles, God. You can do the things that I can't do, Lord. Give him hemorrhoids in his ears. And this is why we don't come to church for medical advice, just so you guys know. Then I like, I had to cool off. I'm like, okay, that's a little rude, Moses. Don't give the guy hemorrhoids in his ears. That's just mean. Okay, God, let me try this again. All right, I can do this. God, help him from hurting others. That's a better one. Obviously, we don't want to see pain, not just in our lives, but we do want to see, we don't want to see pain in other people's lives. And then I dive deeper into it. It's like, okay, breathe, breathe, breathe. You can do better. All right, God, I can't imagine the pain that this person is going through. Make those hurtful, painful decisions that he is dealing with. Help them, Lord, to have peace in their heart, to find joy and to find fulfillment so they're not living in a life where they feel like they have to hurt others. And so at some point, as you work through the pain, as you work through the hurt, as you work through the anger, you start to figure out a way to find compassion of looking at that motive, like what caused someone to do this? Why would someone be so cruel to do what they did? There must have been some extreme pain in their life to arrive to these decisions. Now, you know, one thing that did help me to, uh, to help grasp the concept, concept of letting go of the hurt and learning to forgive was when I looked at the word forgive in the Greek language. And what it means is, it doesn't mean to just sweep under a rug and kind of like pretend it didn't happen. What it means is to hurl it away. And I think about God hurling away my sins. I think about God hurling away everything that I've caused that were painful moments and just removing them from the presence of anyone around. And I think about like looking at forgiveness through that side. It says, cast it out of your life. Hurl the poison as far from you as possible. Remove it from your life so it doesn't cause damage to you. Because the reality is, holding on to pain and hurt that someone has caused is the pain that you're causing to yourself. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, I know it's not easy, guys. I know it's not easy to forgive. You know what is easy? Easy is to not forget. That is easy. Easy is to want revenge. That is easy. Easy is to hold on to bitterness. That you can do without even trying. Easy is to rehearse what they've done to you over and over and over. That is easy. 
Easy is to not heal. That is easy to do. Easy is to let the devil continue to divide your home or your family or your marriage or your kids. That is easy to do. Easy is to walk in hatred and unforgiveness. That is the easier part to do. But you know what's not easy? Is doing what the disciples asked. Lord, give me more faith. Give me more faith because I don't want to be a prisoner to someone else's pain. I don't want to be a prisoner to hurt and damage to the point where it hurts my relationship with you and it hurts my relationship with those that I actually love that are around me. Forgiveness empowers you to set the prisoner free. And through the forgiveness, you will realize that the prisoner was you. I often get asked the question, Pastor Moses, how many times do I really need to forgive someone? Like, I know that scripture where it says seven times a day and 70 times seven, but realistically, like, how many times do I need to forgive someone? And I, I know what they're asking, although the question sounds like, how many times do I need to forgive someone? There's really not a number to it, right? Obviously, God realized there wasn't a number because it's not like someone's walking around with a calculation of like, okay, 70 times seven is 490. Okay, I'm gonna start my checklist. One, two, three, four, 490, I made it. No longer forgiveness, right? So it's, it wasn't a mathematical decision. What it was was a message behind the decision. And the message is really this. You're asking the wrong question. It's not how many times do I need to forgive them? It's how many times do you want to be free? How many times do you want to be free from the pain that others have caused? How many times do you want to walk and live and operate and build relationships and make connections without the hurt and the pain that others have brought into your world? Holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. Now, as I, as I get ready to share this last portion of the message, I can think through like many moments in my life where people have caused some real pain to my life. Whether I was a child created pain from family members or older siblings, whether I was an adult, um, whether I was a bad business relationship or partnership where I was taken advantage of, um, whether it was recent friendships made through community. I mean, I, I, it blows my mind on how many people can look you right in the eye and pretend to be real, pretend to be your friend, and then turn around and walk away from you and talk behind your back as if you were an enemy all along. It is crazy to me. I mean, as you guys know, my kids love sports, and, and one of the things that my parent, my, my, my wife and I, you know, could not wait was for them to be old enough to play, and we would sign them up for every sport under the sun. And it was awesome when they were little. It was so great when they were little because it was just a big party. All the parents would come out. We'd watch whatever sport we were watching. We'd go out to pizza afterwards. Everybody's your friend. Everybody's great. Nobody, you know, no, there's, no, there's no, like, my kid's better than your kid competition at that young age. It's so great. Until the kids get to a place where sports become competitive. Then when sports become competitive and it's like, okay, it's time to get 
serious. It's time to get better. It's time to win. If you want to go further, you want to go faster, yada, yada. At that moment, oh, man. At that moment, I decided to, like, bring the boys into a competitive sporting world. And then I decided to coach, which was a big mistake. Big mistake. Nothing wrong with competitive sports. Just don't decide to be the competitive coach. All right? Big mistake. Because once you start making a decision for someone else's child, like you quickly find out who is real and who is not. Once you start making a decision of how much playing time someone gets and what position they play and how often they play, like you quickly find out who is your friend and who is your enemy. And like I, I remember this like just when I was doing this and I'd have parents coming yelling at me and screaming at me. And, and this is after like winning. I couldn't imagine if we lost. And so like they're yelling at, me, yell, yelling at me and screaming at me. And I'm just like, what in the world are you doing? Like, why are you yelling at me? I'm a volunteer. Like, I, I don't get paid for this. And not only that, I'm doing you a favor. Your kid's terrible. Like, he really shouldn't even be on this team. I don't know why they'd get mad. I really don't know. I don't know why they get so upset. But at the end of the day, I realized how someone who was your buddy, your friend, would come to church with you and would come sit with you next to church and worship with you and promote you. And all of a sudden was, you know, all of a sudden uh, something didn't go the way they wanted it to go for their son or their daughter. And then you became their greatest enemy. And then now, now you were the number one hated coach in the, in the, in the sport. And it was just like, what happened? What happened? How did you turn so evil so quick? How did you become so hurtful so fast? And I just remember thinking like, do I really need to forgive this clown? Like, I mean, everybody knows he's a clown. Like, do I really need to do this? But it really wouldn't, it ate me alive knowing that he was just intentionally saying evil things about me and evil things about my kids. Like, that's the worst. It's like, whoa, whoa, like, you're going to cause pain to me, cause pain to me, but cause pain to my kids? They're innocent. They're innocent. The kids are innocent. Youth sports prom is parents. It's not the kids, okay? (laughs) But I had to learn how to forgive no matter who it was. I had to learn to do it because it was hurting me. It was hurting me. I was the one that had to learn how to do this so that I wouldn't interfere with my relationship with God and my calling with God and my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my kids and my relationship with the few friends that I had left. And I had to learn how to overcome this so that I wouldn't be a prisoner of someone else's pain and someone else's hurt. So in this story that I'm about to read to you, this is a story where Jesus ultimately shared these words when he was on the cross. And he shared these words on the cross. He wasn't no longer doing the teaching thing like he was back when he was sharing the disciples about forgiving for seven times in a day. That was a teaching moment. On this moment, he was just living the moment. Now, if you think about the cross, I know we all have had these moments of the cross, right? But you think about the pain that Jesus Christ went through before even arriving to the cross. The closest people in his life betrayed him and and fleed from him denied that they even knew him. So close friendships, gone. People that he had invested time and energy into. Friends betrayed him and walked away. People who he had ministered to, people that he had healed, communities he had changed, were scolding him, mocking him, hitting him, wanting him crucified. 
So if anyone understands your pain, it definitely is Jesus Christ understanding the hurt and the pain that you've gone through. And then here's the magical part of this and the impactful part of this. In this story, Luke chapter 23, verse 32, it says, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were, on, were, were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus, in the middle of this moment... In the middle of being betrayed, in the middle of being lied to, in the middle of being uh, hit, beaten, scolded, flogged, um, his body torn apart, those that he loved and and poured into, uh, ignoring him and walking away from him, in the middle of the pain, says these words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Now, it's taken me sometimes, not just months, but years to arrive to learn to forgive. And then in the middle of the pain, in the middle of when it's happening, Jesus is saying, right there, right then, learn to forgive. Father, forgive them, for they not know what they're doing. Those are the words that come out of his mouth in the process of a crucifixion. Now, if, if you don't know much about crucifixions, Crucifixions was the most torturous way to be murdered. It was the most painful way to be murdered. When people were sentenced to mur- to be, uh, when people were sentenced to be murdered, they would plead and cry for mercy to be murdered in the in the fastest way. Crucifixion was the slowest way. And there was a Greek philosopher, a couple of them actually. One of the Greek philosophers, uh, philosophers, his name was Lucius Seneca. And what he wrote in his historical writings was that people would curse when they were being crucified. They would curse the day they were born. They would curse, uh, they would curse their mother. They would curse those who persecuted them. They would curse. Those were the words that, that would come out of their mouth. There was another Greek philosopher. His name was Marcus Cicero. And what he said was, that people would curse so much that they would often have to cut their tongues off to keep them from cursing. That was the amount of pain and torture that people would feel during the crucifixion. And yet, during that painful, torturous moment, Jesus utters the words, the words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. When he was feeling the pain, the abandonment, the betrayal, when he was feeling physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, spiritually exhausted, he finds the strength to utter, utter, utter the words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. I want to share a statement with you that I want you to either take a picture of or write it down. And this is what the statement is. It says, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross... Forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. As I get ready to to pray for you, as I get ready to pray for us, I'm going to ask that if there was anyone that popped into your head, into your heart, any occasion, any any certain person, I'm going to ask that you find the strength today to utter the words that Jesus uttered on the cross. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Forgive him. Forgive her. Not because they deserve it, but because you deserve to be set free. 
not because they don't deserve justice or they don't deserve whatever it is that comes their way, but because you don't deserve to live in the prison of hurt and pain so that your relationship to God can stay close. Your relationship to your loved ones can go deeper and further. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray for you, Father. This is a hard, heavy message. Thank you for not just teaching about forgiveness, but thank you for also modeling it during one of the most difficult times anyone could imagine to even think about forgiveness. Not only did it cross your mind, you uttered the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, teach us to think like you. Teach us to be more like you. Help us, Lord, to find the strength to learn to forgive so that we can be free we don't have to live in the prison of hurt, in the prison of bitterness, in the prison of pain. God, help us to be free. Help us to love without restrictions. Help us to connect without boundaries. Lord, help us, Lord, to trust even when we've been hurt in the past. Lord, we say these things in your name. Amen. Can we give God a huge round of applause this morning? Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at southhillscorona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.